Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the podcast where a real statistics professor. And the Scooby-Doo to a Shaggy, Jake. I like that one. It gives you sports betting tips. I'm Professor Sides. You can follow me and find all my picks on Twitter at Professor Sides. And you can follow my friend Jake on Twitter at my friend underscore Jake. Today is Monday, February 14th, 2022. And this episode covers today's best college basketball bets. In case you're new here, I built a mathematical model that predicts what the spread and total should be for every Division I college basketball game. That information along with a graded A, B, or C pick for all of today's games is available in the Google Sheet link in the show's description, or we'll cover them in this episode. A picks are the ones that I love, B picks are the ones I like, and C picks are the leans. However, please remember, good and bad variants will occur, so as much as I'd like to say the model will be profitable each and every day, that is an impossible reality for any gambler. Jake, I, I, I tweeted about this. I say on this episode, good and bad variants will occur, and, and I, I want to convey to our listeners, right, you know, you aren't going to win every day. You aren't going to win every week. You aren't probably going to win every month, and that's okay. You know, we have ups and downs, but last week was the craziest run of good and bad variants I think I've ever seen. Monday and Tuesday were just fantastic for the model. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, just kind of okay hanging in there. Saturday was probably the worst day of the season. You have to have a worst day. Hopefully, we don't have one worse than that. Sunday might have been the best day of the season. I mean, just a roller coaster ride. Quick recap, just to try to make sure that we're uh, saying this uh, for those curious, my game breakdowns last week, 18 and 9, so fantastic week for me. The overtime A plays went 10 and 12. Sundays, no episode, but those also went 2 and 0. The buzzer beaters, not good for me last week. They've been kind of struggling. I'm trying some new things. I'm working to get those right for sure. Jake last week, 18 and 22, but overall for the five-week pod lifetime, right around break even, so that's solid. Um, the one complaint, Jake, I have with you, is Saturday's live episode, I gave you a ton of A plays, and I said, pick me out the A-plus play of the day, and you gave up Marquette. I liked Marquette, too, right? And uh, I think Marquette forgot when the game started. Uh, well, well, I mean, what do, what do you have to say for yourself on that one? Uh, I can I can only apologize so much. That was <laughs> I the A-plus play of the day, and I screwed it up. I don't know if I'll get the opportunity again, because that was bad. No, no, it, you might, you might just because it's, it's, it's easier for me because then I get to pass the blame on to you, right? It's nice, you know. If it wins, great. I can give you the. If not, it's, it's not on me, you know. That's on you. So it, it, I, I like it, you know. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'll be your sacrificial lamb, but it's fine. I like it. Uh, I like it. <laughs> but like Marquette, like you said, forgot to show up in the first half. They went down twenty-one points, but they brought it back to five twice. So like yeah. in the second half, they, yeah. they just could not overcome. That abysmal first half and the super hot shooting Butler had. I think they hit six of their first eight threes, and from there they just kept it rolling, and nothing Marquette could do. But yeah, that was a three half game. I felt real. I felt really good about it. If they played another half, Marquette was going to cruise on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We needed needed some overtime there. Or something. Yeah, but, yeah. But I, I mean, the other big kind of surprise to me. I, I think the books out on how to beat Houston. Yeah, I, th I think like yeah. Memphis pulled it off. They lost to SMU, which we both thought would be lesser teams than this really good Houston team. But this is two in a row, and that short bench and foul trouble got them in trouble again. They had three guys – they ended the game with three guys with four fouls and one fouled out of their starting five, and there's not a lot of bench players there to replace that. And they lost by 10 to Memphis at home, which was very surprising. And then that same thing – same kind of thing happened in that SMU game when they got beat. So it's – Yeah, it's, I don't know. it's definitely interesting. I, I, we're praising the coaching job of Penny Hardaway. I feel like the end times are, are here, you know, at that point. But he did a great job getting his squad ready to go, attacking Houston's weaknesses. It's interesting. We were praising Houston, saying they had these injuries and they 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 didn't really miss a beat. 
for so long and we thought man they've, they've got this down and then all of a sudden right as we start praising them things really turn the other direction for them so houston's an interesting team to watch going forward can they kind of write that ship figure out now uh how teams are attacking him how to stay out of that foul trouble because we knew that bench depth was gonna be potentially an issue but we didn't quite realize it would be as bad as it's been these last two games for him yeah kind of like this is kind of a i don't know weird kind of point but maybe it's good that this happens for them right right so that way they can go back to the drawing board and figure out a new game plan because if everything's working all year why would you change your game plan up like yep so maybe maybe this is good for them to go back and like refigure out some things and hit it right hard for the tournaments. But absolutely, and hey, in in every aspect of life, you learn more from your defeats than your victories, right? So this is definitely yeah. a, you'd rather have these losses now than March. So uh, definitely some optimism there for Houston. Try, try to turn a negative into a positive, right? Um, before yeah. you get today, slate a reminder: please like and subscribe, follow, rate. We appreciate any and all of those things. They do help us out greatly. Drop a comment if you're on YouTube. We love those and try to respond to as many as we can. Tonight, we've got a little bit of an early one kicking us off here. 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central, St. Louis at St. Bonaventure. Uh, these two teams just played um, on, I believe it was on Friday at St. Louis. Both of us liked St. Louis in that game, and they lost on the road. But it's an A-pick for me. Again, I'm going back to the well here with St. Louis. Uh, I locked in an A-pick plus two at minus 105 was my official pick. It's out about two and a half in most places. Those are pretty equivalent there. Uh, the model thinks that St. Louis should be favored by about a point and a half, so I've got a wrong team favored here. It's really hard to win these back-to-back -back setups. The only teams that are able to pull it off for the most part are teams that are that much better than their opponents. I think if you just say, hey, the Bonnie's won on the road to another one at home, I think that's making it too simple. Uh, St. Bonaventure playing, uh, as we've long talked about with uh, a shortened rotation, I think St. Louis is able to get the uh, better of them here in the rematch. So a pick for me on St. Louis, plus two at good odds, plus two and a half. If you're inclined, money line, not a bad option. Just kind of depends on what your personal style is. Jake, what do you have for us? Yeah, there was. I'm on St. Louis plus this. There was a little bit of, uh, you know, like you know, the very good rival rivalry set up. You know, St. Bonaventure did a little taunting of the crowd after they won the game. It was, you know, like nothing, nothing mean. Just a lot, enough to get it going. Get like it makes rivalries great. Like so that this so St. Louis is going to have a little extra motivation. I think they're the better team. Their leading scorer went had scored six points and was two of ten shooting. They shot terrible in that St. Bonaventure game. And some credit's got to be given to St. Bonaventure for the defense, but I don't think all that's repeatable. The Bonnie's also had three guys play 40 minutes and had a combined 14 bench minutes. So like we've talked about almost every time we've brought, talked about them, anything anything slightly goes wrong, they are in very, very much big trouble because there is no one, no help on the bench. I think the bench breakdown was 14 and three. So it's not a lot of minutes there. So it's, I think the St. Louis St. Louis team comes out, wants to make a point, maybe, maybe taunt their crowd a little bit, just a little extra motivation and gets it done. I think they win it outright, and I definitely like them plus the points. I think so too. Uh, like I said, depending on what your style is there, if you want the points of the money line, I think St. Louis is the right side there. Moving on to a game that should be – Exciting if you like low scoring games. If you like unders, this one is for you. Virginia at Virginia Tech, 6 p.m. Central time there. 
The model makes this Virginia Tech minus six, so I've locked in a B play on Virginia Tech minus four and a half. Uh, I think Virginia Tech's the right side. I don't think Virginia's very good. I really debated on this one. I went back and forth if I wanted Virginia Tech or if I wanted the under. So that's just something else to throw at you for uh, for your consideration. Virginia Tech plays really slow. Now they don't play Virginia slow. That's impossible to play. I mean, if you play slower than Virginia, you're not, you're not playing. You're just you're just literally not moving, right? Um, but I think this is going to need some crazy hot shooting or overtime just to get to 120. I see this being one of those ugly, you know, 55-45 type games. I think Virginia Tech is better. They're at home. Um, so I'm laying that short number there. And like I said, just something to think about with that under. It's a low number, but I just don't I don't see how it gets over 120 personally. Jake, what do you have for us? Yeah, I'm, I'm riding the Virginia Tech team. They're 8-4 and four against the spread at home. They're the 21st ranked. In effect, and offensive efficiency. Now, this doesn't mean they score a bunch of points. It just means they score when they have the ball. They take their time to right. score. And the same thing with the 12th ranking and effective field goal percentage. And both those jump up inside the top 10 at home. So, I mean, those are – that's a kind of big thing. They also are second in the nation in three-point percentage. They just don't shoot a ton of them. So, I mean, they, they hit them when they shoot them, but it's not a lot of three-point shots coming. Um, but they're just very run of the mill defensively, but and only forced twelve turnovers. So I don't. I think there's going to be a lot, not a lot of turnovers in this game. They're going to really value the ball and take their time, find the right shot on offense. So I think your under is pretty safe, and I think Virginia Tech is is the much better team, especially at home. They've won their last five in a row, and. I, I don't think Virginia is going to be able to pull off what they did at Duke and travel and beat a better team. Yep. Yep. I think you made some really good points there. You talk about Virginia Tech offensively efficient, uh, Virginia not defensively efficient, right? Virginia keeps the games low scoring, not because they have a good defense, but because they play at such a slow pace. And so Virginia Tech should have no trouble scoring when they have possession. They just aren't going to do it quickly and they aren't going to get any possessions. Um, and Virginia, like you talked about, Virginia Tech's defense is not very good, but Virginia Tech's offense not very good either. So a lot to like about the under. And like I said, I'm, my official pick is Virginia Tech minus four and a half with you. I think Virginia Tech gets it done uh, pretty easily. At that same time slot, West Virginia is traveling to Kansas State. Kansas State is a short three-point favorite, total of 133. My official pick, under 133. The model makes this under 130, actually. Neither team wants to push the pace. Neither is really amazing offensively. Both can get really stagnant for stretches, which I think is going to be the key to getting us under. And both these defenses are pretty solid. So I just see this one being um, a lower scoring affair. Jake, who wins this one in a what should be a tight game here in Manhattan, Kansas? Yeah, I, I really like this Kansas State team at home. I'm riding them with the minus three. They are a very good defensive defensive team, and they really guard the three-point arc very well. I think they're third in the nation in holding teams the 27% from behind the arc, and that really eats into how McNeil and Taz, and Taz shoot. Like It kind of eats into West Virginia's offense, and they rebound the ball well, so it's going to be – they're going to force them into a bad shot and end it and end it. There's not a lot of offensive rebounds given up by this Kansas State team. And that, that'll be just enough for uh, Mar Marquise Noel and Nigel Pack to score to probably put this in the five to seven range. Um, I just don't think West Virginia, with how their offense is set up, it's not a good matchup for them. And Kansas State's defense does enough to get them in that to cover it and probably win under 10. So it should be a fun game to watch. 
All right, yep, that makes a lot of sense. And then sticking in the Big 12, the late time slot there, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, Oklahoma State travels to Lawrence to take on the Jayhawks. Kansas is a 10.5-point favorite this morning, total of 143. I'm locking in a B-pick on Kansas minus 10.5. The model thinks it should be a little bit more than 11. I think my numbers are a little bit low on Kansas at home than they should be. Can, you know When they play at home, especially these conference games, Kansas has a propensity to uh, run away late. They like to hear the Rock Chalk Jayhawk type thing. It, it seems like a game where I've seen the Big 12 too many years that they can overmatch these teams and they just put it away and end up winning by 20 or something. You know, Kentucky game aside, like I said, kids in the Big 12, right? Kansas at home is a place that if you're, you, you got to either keep it tight or you're going to get blown out. And I just don't see how Oklahoma State keeps this one tight. Uh, Jake, what's your play? Yeah. Yeah. I don't see Oklahoma State staying in this game at all. I think Kansas is an incredible team at home and they get everything going. And especially if Remy Martin ends up playing, I know he's questionable and has been out with the last few, but if he ends up playing, it really elevates this Kansas team to a really tough level to be able to stop. And they take care of the ball. Well, and Oklahoma state thrives off turnovers and kind of that kind of muck it up kind of play. And that's not going to happen at home. Bill self is going to have this team ready to go. They just, and about, I think Abaji had seven sh- dots in their last game so i think he's going to come out ready to ready to kind of stamp his big 12 player of the year kind of kind of mark and just really ice this one while they have a chance to really increase this lead since texas tech screwed up their chance to cut into it i think they've got a three three and a half game lead on everybody so i think they're just going to put it away and run away with this big 12 the rest of the schedule here Yep, yep. I think that makes a lot of sense. Which brings us to the A plays of the day. I've got three of them for you here. One of them, the A plus play. I'm going to start us off at 8.30, Central, Texas Southern, minus two and a half versus Southern. Southern just lost to Prairie View A&M. And so I think that Texas Southern, they couldn't quite cover for us Saturday. They were right at the number and then just stopped playing late. I don't think that'll be an issue with a smaller number here. At 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, Alabama State minus 10.5 versus Mississippi Valley State. Mississippi Valley State covered Saturday in a similar spot, but if you didn't catch that, Mississippi Valley State went four overtimes on a Saturday, and now they have to play Monday. That's going to put them at a huge disadvantage, and I think this is a situation where if things start going downhill with those tired legs, I mean, they essentially played three halves of basketball Saturday. Alabama State only played two like most teams do. So I think that's uh, – I, I don't have that factored in. There's no time fatigue type effect in, in the model. So I like the number already, and then you add that in. I think Alabama State a lot to like there. It's a big number, but Mississippi Valley State's going to really struggle, I think, given the uh, four overtimes that they played on Saturday. And then the A-plus play of the day, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central – UIC minus 16 and a half versus IUPUI. IUPUI, I think, is down to like five players, six players. I watched a tiny bit of that game this weekend, and their bench is literally empty. It's like they just have chairs there. They've had the worst string of luck with regards to injuries. It's not even guys transferring out. It's like eight guys or some crazy number injured out for the season. They've asked for people to come try out. They lost by 30 or 40 or something this this weekend. I see it being the same thing because when you when you have to play everybody that many minutes, they, they, they are trying. It's not like the Bonnies who they've got guys who are in good shape for that. This is not what IEPY wants to do. 
they just don't have any depth. So I like IUC to just crush IUPUI, which takes us to our talk me out of segment. Doing this a little bit different. I'm not. I have not locked in a play yet. The game that we're going to talk about here is Rhode Island. They are plus two and a half uh, at home against Dayton. The model thinks it should be Rhode Island plus one point two. Jake, you are on Dayton. I have not locked in a pick. I want to hear what you say, and then I'm going to make my decision. Talk me out of the model's pick of Rhode Island a plus two and a half at home against Dayton. Well, the first point I'm going to make is I am three and zero in this segment, so you know I'm doing well. I mean, mic drop, right? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but after that, I mean, if you want to look at the previous matchup, Dayton won by two, and they really didn't shoot well. They shot 30% of the floor and 27.3 from three. So if those get closer to their averages, that easily covers this number. Um, Dayton is also the 80th ranked offensive efficiency team to Rhode Island's 200. They're 32nd in effective field goal percentage to Rhode Island's 103. Dayton's 30 hits 35.8 percent from three so i mean you're looking at what three or four extra threes going in first of their last game uh, they both teams are abysmal for the free throw line so in a close game free throws aren't going to matter because it's they're both hitting around in the i think rhode island's worse but not like it's like two percentage points worse um dayton can struggle taking care of the ball and don't force a lot of turnovers, but they've got this Rhode Island team's number. In the last game, they forced 16 turnovers and just didn't take advantage of it. Um, and Rhode Island's defense is decent, but nothing nothing special. I think Dayton has the offensive firepower to get through this and easily cover this number. It's an interesting point, point you make about the free throw shooting. And, of course, the last game, Dayton only wins by two. And it's a situation where if this game's at Dayton and Dayton is a – six or seven point favorite i feel much more comfortable taking the points because of bad free throw shooting because like you said both teams are bad at it and in that case if dayton is ahead their bad free throw shooting allows rhode island to hang in um shouldn't be an issue here obviously dayton might win by two again which would be a problem but i think you've talked me into it i'm gonna roll with dayton minus two and a half here tonight the main reason why when i look at uh, great points you make the other thing i want to point out is that based off my number rhode island has been pretty spot on all season but dayton's really overperformed my number so i think the model isn't quite respecting them enough and i think it's a lot about the number here like we always, always talk about my model yeah. does make this a close game but it's not extremely likely that dayton wins and only wins by one or two so i'm going against the model i'm listening to you jake on this one You've done well in these spots, so I'm going to lay the two and a half with Dayton, which takes me to buzzer beaters. I've got a couple here for you. The best B-side, 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, New Hampshire, minus two versus UMBC. Standalone game here, so if you're interested in that sort of thing, I think that New Hampshire and UMBC are pretty equal. So if you're laying two, laying two and a half, I think that makes a lot of sense with New Hampshire being the home team. I've got some true afternoon delight for you. The standalone game, 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central. William & Mary at UNC Wilmington. I'm taking the under 141 and a half. This game reminds me of when William & Mary played Towson on Thursday. The pace was gangbusters, but they don't hit very well. They don't score a lot. They shoot a lot, but they don't score a lot. And that game landed at about 130 at, at 135 points. UNC Wilmington's a little bit more up-tempo than Towson, but just, Towson got out late in that game, and the pace grinded to a halt. UNC Wilmington is going to win this one by a lot. Of course, 13's a big number to cover. But when they get up big, that game will crawl. And so I like the under 141 there in the 
opening game of the week there at 1 p.m. Central. And then one more for you, the total of the day, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, Georgetown at Creighton. I've got over 140 and a half. The model says 143. Georgetown plays no defense. I don't know if they've given up on the season, but I know they've given up on playing defense this season. Jake, what are your buzzer beaters? Yeah, speaking of that Georgetown-Creighton game, I'm taking Creighton at home. They are a really, really tough team to like stay in with. They beat some really good teams. So minus 10 at home, it's a Georgetown team that I don't know why that why a Patrick Ewing team doesn't play defense because that's kind of what he was known for. Yep. And he just can't get his yep. message across and can't. They won't do it. They refuse to do it. So minus 10 and over, very good play. Um, then I really like this UCF team. They are a much better team. And the record and everything indicates they're a much better team than like whoever they're playing most of the time. They are much better, and they're they will cover this easily. I think I think it'll be about a fifteen point game with. So I think that we've got about eight points to spare there with, with the minus seven and a half. I co-signed that Central Florida pick. That would have been my second best B side if I gave out the best B side and the second best B side. So I, I like that Central Florida pick as well. And that's all we've got for you today. Thanks again for tuning into another episode of Picks with the Professor. A reminder, check out that Google Sheet for picks and totals on all of today's games not covered in this episode. If you haven't done so yet, click that subscribe button. We'll get you a new episode every weekday of the college basketball season and do that live Q&A episode on Saturdays at 9 Eastern, 8 Central. We'll see you tomorrow. And until then, remember, you can eat your betting money, but please don't bet your eating money.